Welcome to All Right in Sin City, a podcast about writers and writing in the Windsor, Detroit region. Your podcasters today are Irene Moore Davis, author, educator, and local historian, Sarah Jarvis, former bookseller, publishing rep, and literary festival chair, and me, Kim Conklin, Windsor based writer and filmmaker. Our featured author today is Elise Alusi. Elise Alusi's writing has appeared in numerous journals and anthologies, including Threefold Press, Mom Egg Review, the Detroit Free Press, Inclined to Speak, an anthology of contemporary Arab American poetry, and We Call to the Eye and the Night, Love Poems by Writers of Arab Descent. She is a 2019 Kresge Literary Arts Fellow and has received awards and fellowships from the Knight Foundation, Mesa Refuge, Martha's Vineyard Institute of Creative Writing, and others. She has worked at Inside Out Literary Arts in Detroit for two decades. She serves The Room Project, a workspace for women and non-binary writers in Detroit, and she currently teaches poetry to teens at the Arab American National Museum as well. Her latest poetry collection, published by Wayne State University Press in August of 2023, is What to Count. Welcome, Elise Alusi. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here with you guys this afternoon. It is our pleasure to be here with you. When and how did you first fall in love with writing? I would say um, I first fell in love with writing in high school. Um, I had kind of dabbled in it prior to that, but really kind of um, found my voice and found my connection uh, to writing um, when I was probably a junior in high school. And I had a mythology class and we were invited to write kind of our own myths um, and create our own mythological spaces. And I just really loved that opportunity and and had a teacher who told me, you know what, you've got some talent and, and you should submit your work and you should enter some contests. So sometimes, you know, that really special English language arts teacher comes into your life and kind of points you in a certain direction. And I would say that definitely happened for me. You've devoted a great deal of your career to helping other people fall in love with writing and stay in love with writing. Can you tell us about the work you do in the community to support other writers? And um, how have those experiences affected your writing, do you think? Wow, beautiful question. Um, Yeah, I have worked for a number of years at Inside Out Literary Arts. I've spent pretty much my whole career working um, at nonprofit organizations in Detroit. And um, it took a while for me to learn about Inside Out. But when I did, I just thought that's the place for me because it allows me to work with young people, but also do it in a way that really aligns with my passion for writing. Um, So I started there as a writer in residence. And I worked in a number of different high schools, including the high school that I attended, um, Cast Tech, and that was a really remarkable experience. And then over time, just um, began doing more administrative work there. And currently, I'm the director of school and community partnerships 
which means I get to engage with school districts um, to bring our writer in residence program into um, more schools, which I love. And then I also plan community partnership events. So this past Thursday, we had a huge poetry event um, on the Detroit River called If the River Could Sing, which is kind of one of my um, uh, babies at Inside Out. Uh, I launched it last year in partnership with the Detroit Riverfront Conservancy, and this was our second year doing it. So folks come down to the river, they hear poetry, they hear music, they engage with all kinds of partner organizations in the community who are doing arts and culture work, conservation work, um, work around wellness. So it was a beautiful event. Um, and I would say in terms of how my writing um, has kind of been impacted by the work that I do, I think um, it it feeds me and nourishes me in sort of a different way, I would say. Um, I love to work with young people. I love to come up with creative ways for people to engage with the written word. Um, so it's sort of, in a way... Um, hits a different nerve, um, I would say, than when I'm working um, on my own on poetry. Um, the one piece where I would say um, things really kind of cross over is through the amazing poetry community we have in Detroit. So I work alongside amazing writers who are doing beautiful writing of their own um, and also working in the community. Um, and in particular through RIM Project, which sadly is is closing um, uh, in uh, the month of November, um, that community has been just remarkable. Um, so we've done workshops there and performances and given out fellowships to writers um, to work with mentors. So that's been really a tremendous experience and um, and one that I'm always going to value. So yeah, they, they cross over, but I would say my writing, um, like all of us, is that's kind of the solitary thing that you do um, in a lot of ways. Obviously, we get feedback from each other and um, I'm constantly reading the work of people that I know and being inspired by them in that way, for sure. But um, but my work sort of just, yeah, feeds a different part of my brain, I would say. Well, to follow that up a little bit, um, writing is often a solitary kind of activity, but you're kind of the poster girl for writing and community engagement. So how do you balance all of this? We're curious. Um, do you tackle one project at a time or can you work on your writing and your community program and you know, sort of juggle three or four projects at once? Yeah, that's such a great question. Well, this summer I did a lot of juggling because I was teaching um, at the Arab American Museum through a program that I'm really passionate about, a creative writer writing fellowship for teens. Um, and so I did that in partnership with two other writers, which really allowed me to kind of step back in some ways from taking on the work of teaching every week. Um, so that was really wonderful. I worked with two amazing writers, um, one of whom was a graduate of the program and the other is Wafa Mustafa, who also works with me at Inside Out. So I think a lot of times the, the support that I get from colleagues really is beneficial. I think Inside Out has come a long way in kind of recognizing um, that a lot of the people that work there are creatives of one sort or another. And so they, you know, we have generous 
um, PTO time that we can take. So something that has really benefited me is being able to take, um, to go on residencies, writing residencies. And I would say that's when I really can sort of dig in. Um, so whether that's a week or 10 days or two weeks, if I'm really lucky, um, where I'm away from work and away from home and can really focus on generating new work on revising work, um, that has been incredibly valuable to me um, as a writer and as a parent and as somebody who is often juggling um, multiple hats and working full time. Um, and and also, I would say the other thing is I I I never have um, pursued an MFA, and so the other value of being able to go to workshops across the country and attend residencies is that it kind of nourishes that side um, as well of like how to dig deep into craft um, and some of those things. So that's been really great for me. But yeah, it's a juggling act. Like I would say all creatives, you know, you have to make the space for it. For me, that space is often very, very early in the morning. Um, and so three to five times a week, I would say I'm up by 5.30 or six o'clock in the morning and um, spending time looking at work that I've produced and revising and um, and hopefully when I'm lucky, also starting a new poem. So um, yeah, thank you so much for asking that question. You've been involved in the Detroit or Southeastern Michigan poetry scene for a long time. So it's exciting to see your debut poetry collection launched. You know, despite having been anthologized and all of that stuff, this is your debut poetry collection. So how did this project, What to Count, come about? And when did this project actually begin for you? Yeah, I mean, I like to say it was sort of a lifetime in the making. Um, uh, as I as I kind of alluded to before, um, there have definitely been periods in my life where work and family responsibilities, like all humans, but mostly like all women, um, has um, not stalled my writing, but put things on pause at times or, um, you know, just those day-to-day -day responsibilities sometimes get in the way. And so I really do think of this as a book that I've worked on for a big significant part of my life. Um, I would say in terms of the real work of it, it's probably been over the course of three years um, of putting the manuscript together. Um, a lot of the work was written more recently, but there are for sure older poems in the book that felt really important to me. And so the book is divided into three um, sections and and they're not necessarily chronologically organized, but more thematically organized, I would say. But yeah, it's really exciting. And I think it it really um, is true that just because you don't have a book published doesn't mean you won't someday have a book published. And so to anybody who's been kind of struggling with that process, um, I, I always say to people, you know, stick with it. And same with applying for awards and applying for residencies. There are certainly things that I've applied for in the past multiple times um, before I got a yes. So, and, and I would say publishing a book is that same process. You know, I had my manuscript done and um, sent it out to a number of 
things and then um, sent it to Wayne State Press and they picked it up. And I was tremendously excited about being a part of the Made in Michigan series. It's a series that I've followed for many years and and know a lot of poets who are part of that series and, and really love it. So I'm really pleased to um, kind of come full circle with the book. You've uh, addressed a lot of themes in this poetry collection, coming of age as an Iraqi American during the first Gulf War and its ongoing aftermath, coming to understand your identity and themes of motherhood, daughterhood, living a creative life and the importance of community. And all of this you've touched on in your personal life, but it comes out in your work too, right? So who are you most hoping to reach with this collection? And what do you most hope that readers will take away? Yeah, what a wonderful question. I um, I like to think that my poetry is accessible um, to a wide array of folks. Um, I try to write for a general audience. I don't think, um, I don't think I'm writing in such a way that people, um, you know, people often say, oh, I don't understand poetry or poetry isn't my cup of tea. I like to think that folks that would pick up my book um, would find something that they connect with, whether it is about being a daughter or being a mother or having multiple identities in your life um, or reckoning with something like, you know, how to keep track of all your passwords and why do they make sense? And, and what are the things we really want to think about and be inspired by? So I think it, I, I like to think of it as a book that most anybody could pick up and find a connection point to for sure. And I really believe that about poetry in general. I think that, that it is such an accessible form for folks. And I think, um, particularly contemporary poetry. I mean, definitely I love the classics and was raised on a lot of the classics, but I also believe that there um, is so much important and valuable work that's being done in contemporary poetics. And I think you know, whether folks are writing about race or, you know, what's happening in our world culturally or politically, or like I said, just how um, how re- how relationships bend and shift over time. I think we all um, have things that we can learn through poetry. And I think I, I like to say a lot of times, and, and this is really um, something that I think everyone understands about poetry is that we think of it as a tool for celebrating weddings and for commemorating loss or tackling really difficult times as a culture. And I think a lot of people did turn to poetry during COVID in particular, which makes sense to me. Um, We're all kind of looking for connection points and for ways that we can understand what's happening in the world. But I also think there's value in, in, um, in daily connection with poetry. And, you know, I know lots of classroom teachers who start a lesson every day just by reading a poem out loud with their students. And it doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of time analyzing it, but just to kind of almost be in a meditative state and to allow your thoughts to really be focused on on one topic and, and let them go where they may. I think there's just real value in that. I love that point of view that you see poetry as accessible. I think that that's an uncommon point of view, but I think it's um, something that 
is perhaps an unrealistic, you know, perception on many people's parts that it's, you know, hard to understand and all that kind of thing. That's great. Wow. So there's also a very strong sense of place in this book, uh, which is based both in Iraq and Michigan. For um, Michigan readers, you know, they'll like seeing familiar things described in ways that feel kind of remarkable and new. What do you think the impact of living in this area has had on your writing and this collection in particular? How has it affected it? Yeah, um, well, I I grew up um, mostly in Detroit and um, definitely I'm always inspired by what's happening in Detroit, especially in the creative um, community. Um, And I would say definitely impacted by um, fellow writers um, way back to when I was in college at Wayne State um, and through now with my work at Inside Out or Room Project. I would say the the biggest impact that Detroit has had on me as a writer is just that incredible sense of community support. I I'm not I I'm sure it exists to some degree in other parts of the country, but for me it feels really special and really unique the way that writers in Detroit support each other, the way they show up for each other. Um, I had my book celebration at Rim Project earlier in August. And I mean, I saw people from all walks of um, my life there from when I worked um, at the very first nonprofit I worked at and Alternatives for Girls. Um, There were young women that I worked with and they were in kindergarten who came to the reading. And then there were very recent folks that I had met through Rim Project. Um, So I just think Detroit um, roots for their own. I think they support their own and they love to see their own folks succeed and um, and they and they celebrate each other. And that has always been the case um, for me. And and I, I value that a whole bunch. That is the most beautiful description of the spirit of Detroit. That is just so wonderful for all of us Detroit River Borderlands people. I know that means a lot to hear you describe it that way. Um, I'm really curious. Are you working on any any new material currently? Yeah, I am. I am probably, I'm not sure if it's going to take shape as a chat book initially or as a full collection, but I am starting um, on a new series of poems Um, and really excited about them. Sort of, I would say, somewhat inspired by um, other art forms, um, particularly visual art. So there's a series of poems that are inspired by visual art. A couple of newer pieces that are, again, um, focused on Iraq and what's happening there currently, particularly environmentally. So we'll see how those continue to take shape and really interested in also um, playing with form a little bit more, do that a little in this collection. Um, But I really love the contemporary American sonnet form, which I think is is just a beautiful way to, you know, challenge yourself to write a 14 line poem um, and to think about musicality and sound, but not necessarily have the rigid constraints that maybe a more traditional um, form might have. So yeah, I am working on on a new collection and hoping it's not going to take as long as this one. I don't think it will. So yeah, really excited about that. We'd love to hear from your new work right now. Would you like to read something for our listeners? 
Sure. Actually, I mean, I have my book in front of me, so I will read. Um, I, how about if I read two poems? Does that sound good? Awesome. So this was sort of a newer piece called Self-Portrait at 56. That's another poetic form that I really love is the imagining imagining self-portrait and the crossover between visual art and um, and poetry. Self-Portrait at 56 under the wire. I guess I found myself music paused in the right square, growing bit of flesh murmuring above belt line and ah, these lines down the center of my face, eyes off kilter. They say there's no symmetry in space. I relate floating green earth. I want to melt some days into a passing bus. Once in Prague, I nearly died, felt the wisp of the tram at my neck. So close my hair moved, daughter and husband, Stunned on the far curb, amazing really, how little I still notice my surroundings most days, save the random, like a handprint left on a wall, press me to say what that wall means to me, and I can't. And this next poem is in the, um, in the form, sort of loosely um, in the form of a guzzle. And so it has some repetition in it that you'll notice, and it's called Imitation Spring. Our daughter was born without a sense of smell in spring, came home on the hottest day, a record-breaking spring. At three, she pressed a fistful of lilacs to her face, inhaled hard, an imitation of what it is to smell what I did at the start of spring, to find flowers were color, texture only, trying embedded in her heart, like this virus too steals all sense, that sudden loss springing ahead of the other symptoms. There's missing something and there's never having it. She's old enough to know this, her 18th spring. Every sense a balm and bane, Hers more pronounced, that pink too bright, hard sound of paper against itself. She lifts from a different spring. Memory, a story of want and sound, like those small figures she gathered around her as a child, paused before the story flowered. Now she startles us pre-dawn, breaks her fast alone downstairs, the lunar cycle dates and yogurt, her ode to this pandemic spring. The condition's name we hear all year, but never speak. Echoes of our late insomnia, lost lull, want of sleep. Very beautiful. Thank you so much for that reading. It has been a pleasure to interview you. Our guest today is Elise Alusi, the author of What to Count?, and that is something that has come out this year from Wayne State University Press. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, you guys. The latest in our local authors mini series is Eric E. Tom Johnson, who is a local hip hop lyricist, vocalist, and slam poet. 
from the Windsor-Essex County area, Eric has been writing and performing poetry for a number of years. He draws his poetic inspiration from his Afro-Indigenous culture and experiences as an artist of color and a physically disabled creator. His goal as an artist is to highlight the experiences of BIPOC through storytelling, a theme that is deeply ingrained in all of his poetic endeavors. This is a reading by Eric E. Thomas Johnson from my collection of poems titled Wellverse Social Suicide. We paved our road to hell with benevolent intention. No souls within these shells to gain us our redemption. We're stained by the spell of pain and obsession. We failed when we fell, but gave in to acceptance. Fame paid the price that bought stock in our souls. Claimed all the rights when we lost self-control. Made ourselves a grave, yet we called it a home. Waylaid by the lust once these thoughts took a hold. We settled for the rot that rusted our goals. Soothing the lies in our guts in no rush to atone. Men built this world, but their own children kill it. Murder in the streets, but we only see the millions. Blood soaks the earth, and it's graves that we till. When the only bottom line is the payment of bills. We're out of time, due to hopeful pride. Been dead for so long that we've missed the vital signs. Because the simple life died of social suicide. Eric E. Tomic Johnson's book, Well Versed, will be available for purchase at Biblioasis and Storyteller Bookstore. Thanks for joining us. Look for more episodes of All Right in Sin City wherever you listen to podcasts, or check out our website, allrightinsincity.com. For information and announcements of new podcasts, sign up to our email list or follow us on Facebook and Twitter.